Hello and welcome to the Cock and Ball podcast, a weekly look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. And what a week it's been. Two games, two wins, two different sides, the Tottenham on display. And the only story in town, of course, everyone's talking about the two sides, Harry on one, Palace on the other. Personally, I thought Kane took his goals brilliantly. Uh, anyway, I'm Jim, your royal courtier, guiding you through everything that's happened, advising you to say nothing if you're unsure and hoping it all blows over anyway. <laughs> Joining me tonight is the great prince himself, the Italian stallion, the knight in shining armour who never really wanted high status anyway and opted instead for a flat in Essex and a life of following Tottenham. It's Ashley. <laughs> Good evening, Jim. How are we? Good, thank you, mate. And alongside him is the delicate princess with foreign lineage whose very existence divides opinion and whose musings often leave more questions than answers. It's Jules. Jason Targ. <laughs> How are we? Say a good, danke, say a good. And finally, still hanging around in the background, but nobody's quite sure why. And in fairness, he did try management once with me and was quite good at it. Anyway, it's our very own Fergie. It's Tom. Coys, 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 coys. Do you want to explain why you're on the naughty step today, Tom? Uh, I'll read you the first bullet point from my notes from this week's fixtures. Uh, the first bullet point just reads, missed the first 30, lol. Uh, and I, I, didn't, I didn't see any of the Chelsea game live at all. Uh, so on that basis, I don't deserve to host. I, I'm just here to, I'm here for a good time. <laughs> Let's kick this thing off then. Uh, last Thursday, uh, Fulham nil, Tottenham won. Uh, with my neutral hat on, I thought this was a really enjoyable game and I uh, thought Spurs were great in the first half. Uh, but by full time, I found myself thinking Spurs really were quite lucky to come away with three points. Um, let's start with the positives, though, Jules. What was yeah. your take on it? I think, <laughs> I think we started well and it was, it was nice to see the famous four in action together. We've, we've long since called, called for it. Um, and there were some green shoots. I thought I thought Gareth Bale looked uh, looked looked good and looked quite uh, quite creative. And Deli Ali was back to sort of uh, acting as that kind of conduit, that that fluid presence in the middle of the pitch. Um, but we ended up riding by the seat of our coattails and <laughs> very very luckily getting away with it. Yeah, no, there was some good fluid football throughout, especially within the first minute, like you were saying. So you know, it, there was there was some positives and. I'm sure we'll come on to the uh, VAR debacle, but I think that sort of overshadowed our performance. Those those 20 minutes sort of made the whole performance look bad, if that makes sense. But actually, for I'd, I'd say for about 60 minutes of the game, we were probably on top. Um, not all bad at all. I think that the issue I had was with just how deep we were playing. Did that scare you at all, Jules? Yeah, <laughs> because the deeper <laughs> the deeper we are, the closer our defenders are to our own goal. <laughs> and that, that just seems like a bad, bad decision at the moment. Um, but I also wonder, you know, Jim's always been quick to give a nod to the fact that Fulham are maybe a better team than we give him credit for. I always sit down and every time I'm surprised by how combative they are as a team. Mm. Like that midfield just looks horrible to play against. Yeah. And like, let's th- be honest, they've yeah. got a better centre-back partnership than we do at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And the centre-back, yeah. they're class centre-backs. Top, top draw. I'd have either of them at Tottenham. Yeah, I like Joachim Anderson. He's, um, we were linked to him in the summer. Uh, and when he first came to Fulham, but at the time when they were leaking goals faster than most sieves, um, it, it, was a, it was very welcome signing, but it didn't change anything straight away. But they've started the defending better as goals. a team. Sorry? The sieves leak goals? Yes. <laughs> if you fill a, a colander with goals... 
<laughs> We've broken Tom. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. What, what else would leak a goal? A sieve full of goals. <laughs> My analogy stands. Don't mind me, carry on. <laughs> he's just, he's settled into that bat four perfectly. And, but what impressed me, not just his defensive attributes, but the way he can just spring a pass. He's like peak Tom Brady. He's just, he's like a quarterback, just pinging out balls right across the pitch, really opening up play. Uh, I think they'd only considered one goal in the previous five games before they played us. So he, he looks like he'll be a great player going forward. Yeah, it's a shame we didn't get him because I think there was some uh, backhanded part of the Ndombele deal where we promised we wouldn't go after him in um, after Anderson if they sort of gave us a better deal in order to get Ndombele. But he looks just every bit like he reminds me of Aldevaro was sort of two or three years ago. Just the way he picks up the ball and sprays it with ease, and he's, he's absolutely dominant. Well, the fullbacks on our side of things was something I actually picked up on, and was a big determining factor, particularly in the fact that we we ended up sitting so deep. It's not so bad when we have Doherty and Reguilón. The issue with sitting back is when Davies comes in, and I think a big part of that is they do not have the pace to recover when the ball goes in behind. And therefore, the rest of the team sits to cover them because they're always, you know, they're having to sit so deep so they don't get beat on one on one. And that's 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 a big issue when you when your fullbacks, your fullbacks can't press them and force the other team back, then you'll end up going to be on the back foot, aren't you? Worth yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have to be done. Excuse. Sorry, <laughs> don't know why I said Bart. <laughs> it, it just sat up. I was like, yeah. I'm Jim, what did you make of it all? I was looking back at what we were discussing, and like I said, I really enjoyed this game. It, it felt, particularly first half, it just felt like a really entertaining game. And Spurs, I thought, led by Delhi, who was brilliant for me in the first half in particular, looked really, even though Spurs, even though Fulham were aggressive, looked really like they were up for the game, pressing relatively highly, uh, playing nice fluid football. And winning the game in the middle of the park, and it's just interesting. I, I think it was his first start for his first start since the opening day. Yeah, mm. I think yeah. So. Um, yeah. And it's like, oh my god! Turns out Dele Alli's quite a good footballer. We've yeah. had him that whole time. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you? Yeah. Well, we were. We mentioned about Tottenham sitting deep, and he was the guy trying to lead the press. So whenever I saw Dele going onto the back line to try and win the ball back, I found myself screaming, "Push up! Push up!" At the TV, as if I was trying to identify a type of bra. He <laughs> 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 was the only player going for it, really, and I was disappointed to see. But yeah, he he was brilliant, and the build-up for for what should be his goal. I know it was going wide, but I think it was just a beautiful team performance. The awareness of Delhi to then flick the ball onto Son and continue his run is something so simple, but something that a lot of players seem to lack, and certainly what we lack in that number ten position when he's not there. So. Half-time, so far, so good. Yeah. The previous Fulham game was one of the, the many around the turn of the year, I think it was, when Spurs were dropping a lot of points and didn't quite see it coming. But Spurs, uh, Fulham, in fairness to them, came out of the traps a million miles an hour in the second half. And there was every chance that this game could have been another one where it was two points dropped, couldn't it, by the end of the game. And 
Um, Ash, you, we've talked on the group chat quite a lot about the, the goal that wasn't, that should have been, and it's it's incredibly Fulham that they had a goal <laughs> chalked off for a rule that was changed literally the next day. I mean, look, by, by the laws of the game, uh, the referee made the right decision. It wasn't a goal, but um, Spurs can count themselves a little bit lucky there, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. And let's be honest, if that happened to us, we would have been absolutely delivered. In fact, it, it did happen to us in the Champions League final, but <laughs> let's, let's not go there. I mean, just to play devil's advocate, just a, a moment on the handball. The thing that I've seen a lot is that people question why is the rule different for uh, when a ball strikes an attacker's arm compared to a defender's arm. A huge part of the art of defending is uh, getting your body in the way of a shot, of a cross, or, or, you know, in, in get in the way of your position's attacks. There is no such element in the art of attacking that, that puts you in such a dangerous position of the ball striking your arm. Equal, you know, equal law wouldn't make it fair because it would take out the art of defending if we're just going to say any strike of the arm is handball or if we're going to try to start deciding what's natural and what's not natural when apparently the only natural position is when the arms are by your side, which is just not a normal way to move <laughs> at all. Nobody wants to see Fulham's goal get disallowed other than us in that moment. But there's got to be some leeway for defenders in comparison to attackers in that situation. That was said like a true Italian, defending the, <laughs> defend, defending the right to, to defend. The common sense approach, and Scott Parker talked about common sense, and it's become a bit of a cliche, isn't it, that when something doesn't go your way, you talk about common sense. Um, but in any reasonable person's mind, it's a legitimate goal. Yeah. And the the weird thing is, Ash touched on it there, if the Fulham lad, he's... The he were, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, he, um, if he did have his hand in an unnatural position, quote-unquote, the goal would have stood, per the rule as it was then. And it's just very strange that, um, that it, it is like the way it is. But at least it's kind of the product, isn't it, of... People wanted VAR because they didn't want decisions that were so many wrong decisions being allowed to fly. And now there's just this kind of technical layer of bureaucracy and you're still getting slightly dodgy decisions because the rules are, are pretty inflexible in a game that that is really fluid. But um, but yeah, it's, I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. And I think Fulham, they'll be good to stay up anyway. And I think they'll be OK. No, fuck it. <laughs> I, I also think Scott, Scott Parker lost any right to talk about common sense after what he then wore on on Sunday. So he's like he's not allowed to talk about common sense with that kind of sartorial elegance. So from uh, sartorial elegance to Crystal Palace, interesting game this one, and felt like another banana skin. Uh, Palace are very good at these kind of games and taking points off some of the better sides in the division and uh, I think everybody thought there was a bit of potential here for, for Spurs to slip up and even though there was a, a bit of a scare just before the break, I thought Spurs looked like a really well-oiled machine in this one. Um, what did you think, Ash? Yeah, it was a much better performance and Jose made an effort to talk about the team performance quite a lot afterwards and we went from hanging on to the lead like you hang on to your first piss when you're out on the drinks <laughs> <laughs> against Fulham to, you know, trying to get a second and a third and a fourth. And I actually think having conceded that goal at the end of the first half and then going on to win 
will do us a world of good in terms of our confidence because we've we've been in that position far too many times this season and and not gone on to win. So, yeah, it was great to see us have that resilience. Is what you're saying is that all that Jose had to do all along was break the seal? <laughs> <laughs> it might have helped, yeah. <laughs> it was, um, was piss poor to watch, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know about, about you, Jules, but I was quite surprised at how well things seemed to click in this game. It was like uh, a lot of the bits that have been missing over the course of weeks and months seemed suddenly to just work. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with that. I, I also think a big part of it is because we put probably our two most naturally talented players on the pitch together at the same time in in Bale Sanchez and Odebarrod. <laughs> well, it, it only okay. struck me like after that like all those jokes about like real recognizes real and like class knows class and all that kind of stuff is that one of the first times that Bale and Kane have been on the pitch at the same time together because quite often Bale's been in like the Europa League lineup and Kane's been in the Premier League one so we actually haven't seen them in combination so much but they just look like two players who are like well, you're quite good and I'm quite good. So let's just let's just do this. This is gonna work. Like a moment in Step Bros where are like, are we gonna be best friends? <laughs> yeah, no. I just feel sorry for Son in all of this. He's been left out of what should be like a lovely consensual love triangle, but it, it's not. It's been far too monogamous. Kane's just swap side. I don't know. It's it's very apt for the time, isn't it? It's like is. His son now like the Camilla. <laughs> uh, which one is Camilla? Which one's Diana? Oh no! <laughs> Surely Bale is Camilla in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> well, he got, he got his own back on Bale, didn't he? He he got the assist for Kane, which meant they're now record holders for combinations for goals on fourteen, I believe in the Premier League season, which is phenomenal considering there's still quite a few games left. Have we run out of superlatives for the two lads, Jules? I think we have. Um, I mean, Son... Should we just go with good? (laughs) (laughs) I think think, think Son... I'm really happy that in in both these games, because essentially Son got the cross, didn't he, for Delhi's goal against Fulham, Son would have got two assists. And for me, that's actually like him getting back to like orthodox wing player a bit more and doing the basics which we've spoken about that maybe he's he's kind of put himself under too much pressure at times to be getting all the goals um but the two people I was actually most impressed with I thought Kane just provides that that wonderful quality he's just remarkable and we can we can wax on about him for for hours but we should also give a lot of credit to Lucas Mora who I thought knitted so much together through sheer hard work and tenacity and energy when, okay, he's not the perfect player and we're always going to slag him off a bit and no one will be sad to see him go one day. But he was crucial. Yeah, that intensity brings up to the high press was something that we praised Delhi for in the Fulham game. But he sort of does it at another level, doesn't he? Because he's (laughs) so quick and so agile. The way he must... Imagine having the ball and seeing him just steam train his way towards you you'd shit yourself wouldn't you hello (laughs) (laughs) it it also sets off the fact that Kane isn't that fast um and that kind of direct in his play because most teams have got fast striker and the 10 is the the slower the creator the passer right that's like traditional 
right back to sort of Raquel May FM 2005 kind of days. <laughs> but when you play Son, sorry, when you play Mora at 10, it's weird because he doesn't want to pass it. He just gets it and it's just like wind up a little toy rabbit and let him go. <laughs> no one knows where the fuck he's going, like least of all him. Uh, we touched on it before as well, just, just taking a step back on this game as a whole. Do you think the highlights reel of this game should come with a PG warning because of how good the goals are? I mean, it's not quite full frontal nudity, but it is the point where you put, you know, you put your hand in front of the kids' eyes while the adults make an involuntary noise. <laughs> particularly that, particularly that cane goal. Oh, that cane goal! I have no idea what noise I made. I don't think I could ever replicate it. It was, it was like Sorry, my Holly. wrist. Yeah. <laughs> It was like my voice was dropping all over again. It was a high-pitched squeal. It was... I wasn't expecting it. I should have been. It was Kane coming up to it. But it was it was phenomenal. Should we be talking about him for, for player of the season? If it wasn't playing for Spurs, or if Spurs weren't playing so badly, surely that would be the case. And obviously the assists for, for Bale's goals were just brilliant, weren't they? Just a moment of instinct. It for the headed goal and, and for the first goal it was an inch perfect pass to get it between the, the goalkeeper and the recovering centre half absolute beauty Bale mm. offers something uh, in an attacking point of view that we don't really see that in the link up between Son and Kane it's always been a quite a clear cut pass but when it comes to clear crossing opportunities Kane will attack probably one post and that's normally about it but now you've got Bale, he's got such intelligence and he'll He'll pick one post and Kane will pick the other. Uh, and it's a double threat that we've not really seen before. And if you start to throw Lucas or Dele Alli into that mix, who are great, who can be great in the air and can arrive late, then all of a sudden you've got a strange aerial threat as well. You've got another way of scoring. Bale has got one of the highest rates per minute uh, in the league for cross-field passes, which are like over 50 feet, essentially hitting it to the other side of the pitch. Yeah, I think Reguilón got a lot of those, didn't he? Yeah, how often does Bale just pick it up and he's like, yeah, but if I run down the line, that involves me running and, you know, like CBA. (laughs) So I'm just going to check back and I'm just going to drift it 50 foot across the pitch immaculately. Bale's also taking on a bit of that ability to spread the play and pinning pinning the kind of the the opposition fullbacks out wide. Um, So he's he's giving us a lot of options. I think that was a major part of us breaking down Crystal Palace because they defend really narrow. And particularly in the first half, I know we had a lot of the ball. We struggled to move them or to get the ball out quickly, whereas Bale was the person who just gets the ball, gets his head up, spreads it out, which is really important. One thing I did I do, I did notice about Bale, or I do think about Bale, is does anybody strike the ball better than him? I think the only thing that strikes better is the French. <laughs> I think I think at Tottenham the only player would be Kane, surely. Off that that first goal, um, and no touch as well. He sees it rolling towards him, and he's just like, "I'm gonna know exactly how to bend this around the corner." First time strike, um, stunning. But yeah, he's probably, I'd say he's probably after that our best strike of the ball. He seems to hit free kicks, given it's that weird dipping technique he's got. He still manages to get them on target a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm like Kane, you can't hit a dead ball. <laughs> I mean, we glossed over, actually, Kane's uh, last-minute free kick against Fulham. How oh. <laughs> can we waste the most time here? Oh, no, I'll kick it in the Thames. <laughs> On the subject of the less glamorous side of things, um, 
I don't know what you thought, uh, Jules, but for me, and we've spoken before about Harry Winks and there's been a lot of visceral hatred for Harry Winks. And I remember saying once about six months ago that he's still got the ability to to be a good player. And I thought I think over the last few weeks, but particularly against Palace, he was he was really quite good, as was Davinson Chan Sanchez, one one clanger aside. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree with that. I think Winks, um, Ash touched on it in the, in the last pod, you know, Winks is better when he's the understudy for Ndombele, not for Hoiberg. And he looked more comfortable being a little more progressive, even if I appreciate Ash will always think he, he doesn't pass the ball fast enough. But I think he looks more comfortable there. And, you know, he's, 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 he's a good player. It's great to have a homegrown lad like that in the squad who can come in and perform to that level. And as for Sanchez, I, I like Sanchez. Like he's really clumsy, which is kind of endearing. <laughs> like he's like he's like a golden retriever tries to go through the cat flap. It's like no, mate. Like you just gotta you gotta leave that one there. And who'd have thought it that we start defending better when we stick to a solid centre back partnership? It's just it's something that I don't know why it's taken so long to figure out. I think Jose was desperate to shoehorn Dyer in, wasn't he? But mm. and obviously we we saw an issue with with the first goal where it seems to repeat of the ball comes in from the left and then they score with a header. And I, I, there's a number of issues we could go into detail, but we haven't got the time. But that's I'm, the more we play centres and Aldevaya together, the more they get an understanding, the less that kind of goal will occur. I, I do not blame the centre-backs for that goal. No. Christian Benteke. Cross. It was a, a crack cross. That's the great cross. And Christian Benteke is probably the best header of the mm. ball maybe in the world right now i've i've no issues with conceding goals if they're going to be headers of that quality well speaking of crystal uh, crystal palace players is there an angry man than zaha (laughs) so tom what do you think is the smallest thing that could happen to zaha that would piss him off and i think he's a fantastic player for what it's worth but he's just just always angry oh he's probably just smashing mirrors every day just (laughs) because the slightest hair is out of place and right that's it mirrors gone not good enough (laughs) <laughs> he, he's an odd bloke. Maybe he's just frustrated that uh, he went to United and, and never really pushed on and just stayed at Palace his whole career. I know he's 28 and it's not going to get any better. But, you know. <laughs> uh, so, just taking everything uh, the last two games uh, in context, um, Fem, that's five wins in six now for Spurs, the other being the, the two on defeat to, uh, to West Ham. But a good vein of form. Um, there's been a lot of criticism of Spurs over the last few months. Um, lots of criticism of Gareth Bale, including by me. Um, <laughs> six goals in six for him now. Were we wrong to write off the season, write off Jose, write off Bale so early? Or were we right to do that at the time and it's just a case of things suddenly clicking? Um, bit of column A, bit of column B, as you would normally say. I think it's been... Such a, a roller coaster of a season that we cannot possibly say at this stage whether we were right or wrong. It could still change. It could still all go to shit. Let's not uh, forget that. I mean, let's look at the season as a whole. We started with great summer signings. Uh, we were really buoyant about where this team was going to be. We were top by November, December. And all of a sudden, we had a terrible winter run after we beat Arsenal. We were only beating bad teams. Um now we're seeing a bit more of a revival. Everything's starting to click again. The squad rotation seems to be working really well. We've got a cup final to look forward to. We're still in the Europa League. 
uh, <laughs> already in that time, Jose has gone from being the Messiah to the devil incarnate and then back to the Messiah again. <laughs> but, you know, it remains to be seen if he is the Messiah or actually just a very naughty boy. That could still come about. <laughs> but I think the most important thing for me is to bear in mind is success is, is always relative to the performance of others. And we need to look at everything else that's gone on around the rest of the Premier League. So City started the season terribly, you may remember, when we beat them, I think it was back in November. They were in a, the bottom half of the table, and they were 13th. And now look at them, they've run away yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, Gunnar Solskjaer looked doomed after we smashed uh, United 6-1 at Old Trafford. Yes, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, look at them now. Uh, Liverpool looked like the natural heirs to the throne. They're dropping like a stone. Leicester and Villa shocked pretty much everyone, although they're dropping off a bit now. Everton and West Ham are definitely still amongst it. Um, Fulham are even staging a strange resurgence. Fat Frank has already been and gone. Uh, and this was all <laughs> taking place during the strangest of times. Something, something we've never seen, something we're never going to see again. Uh, and this is all within one season. As it stands, yeah, we're still amongst it. I think there's about 11 games to go. Potentially uh, could get a trophy out of this. Uh, and at the start of the season, if someone had said to you, if you win a trophy... Uh, and qualify for a European competition, would you take that? And I, I think I probably would. So as things stand, things are very good. Even if they still were like they were a couple of weeks ago, it still wasn't necessarily doom and gloom because of everything that's been going on around us. And it's been such an unpredictable season. Let's just enjoy the ride. Let's just see where we end up. Mm, well said. Speaking of enjoyment, Lucas Moore is... Uh, latest video was <laughs> just a genuine piece of joy, uh, which got me thinking about songs that don't just have the word coys over and over again, um, <laughs> which led me to the question, if any Spurs players were hit singles, who would be which hit single and why? Jules. Uh, I think Ben Davies would be Take On Me because that's what every winger ever thinks about when, when they come up against them. Uh-huh. Uh, that's I, I thought you'd enjoy that. But it's, it's both a pun on the, uh, on the single and on the band. Fantastic. Strong effort. Strong effort. Ash? I think that Dyer would be Move Your Feet from Junior Senior, because it always starts upbeat, but then he can't, can't, can't control his feet. <laughs> Uh, Fan? I'm glad you came to me last because I didn't really uh, address this properly. I just turned it into quick fire puns. Uh, so I got as far as candle in the winks. <laughs> my, my Joe Hart will go on. Uh, and all I did was, you know, Daft Punk's Around the World. I just changed Around the World to Ido Viral. Actually, just. Um, can you give us a rendition? Quite, uh, no, but what I, I can give you in. I thought a potential adaptation of Destiny's Child Survivor. Um, I'm Eric Lamela. I'm a ball roller, perpetual. I've fucked it up. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, perpetual ball roller and on a yellow. Is that finished? (laughs) I even adapted. uh, We're talking about massive hits. So obviously, we can't talk about massive hits without talking about Chaz and Dave. Um, I've tried to rework Ozzy's dream into Jose's dream, which I'm not going to attempt to sing. <laughs> but, you know, at the helm is Jose Mourinho. He's had a dream for a year or two. 
that one day he's going to win at Wembley and break the Tottenham hoodoo. Jose, we're going to be behind you together until the summer. We know you're going to play Eric Dyer, which we know will be a real bummer. <laughs> and that's as far as I got for the first verse. <laughs> These aren't massive hits. These might not necessarily be what Jim was looking for. Um, but that's where I got to. It makes me happier than I could ever have imagined. <laughs> Good. There was something in the um, Palace game that nearly made me the happiest, uh, slightly uh, obsessive, compulsive football fan that I am, was that if we had a double substitution where Lamella and Suzuka both come on, but if Lamella had just come on, we would have had one to 11 in terms of squad numbers all on the pitch at the same time oh, how satisfactory would that have been that's beautiful it's like uh, a couple of weeks ago the um the league two table was as yes. such, every team from top down to 12th each team one place lower down had a point less so oh. like 54 53 52 <laughs> 51 50 it was oh. just Gorgeous. That is <laughs> magnificent. Don't ever watch Atalanta play then, Tom, because their numbers are just insane. Oh, is he going to have like 93s and stuff? Yeah. yeah. It really pisses me it's, off it's... that uh, Roe Patricio at Wolves wears the number 11 shirt. How fucking dare he? <laughs> it reminds me of that time. Do you remember that bell end at uni that had double zero as his number on the back of his shirt? Oh, yeah, because it's <laughs> worthless. That's why. Do you remember Edge of <laughs> Do you remember Azamoa Jen at Sunderland with the number three and he was playing up front? That wound me up. That annoyed me. I See, I find that quite funny because that's a bit of a Mikel Antonio. There have to have been a couple of right-backs who have been stuck up front for 10 minutes and then someone's turned around and gone, that works. Let's keep, let's keep doing that. Yeah, Stephen did it with Darius Charles for years and he did the number three and then we started playing up front. So we gave him the number nine. And then every now and then we played the number nine at left back. It was all very <laughs> Everyone's anyway. also stealing our uh, acronym of SHAG. I mean, we, we're kind of claiming it. But I've realised that I think there is another acronym which includes every single player who starts our best starting eleven. So let, let's look at this pragmatically. I think our best eleven is Luis and goal, Aurier, Sanchez, Aldevarod, Reguilón, Hoybier and Domblay in midfield. And then you've got the infamous SHAG of Bale, Sun, Kane, and Deli Alley. I'm pretty sure that spells bland sharks. I hate you so much. <laughs> it's going to catch up. It's the next big thing. Right. Jim, Let's pull us move back on. to sanity. Pull us back to sanity. <laughs> Hashtag free bland sharks. Uh, back in the real world, uh, Spurs, uh, back in Europa League action. Uh, this week against uh, Dinamo Zagreb. Never been to Croatia. I'm told it's quite nice, Van. You've been once, haven't you? Um, there's been lots of talk, rightly so, about Spurs' passage through the Europa League and this incredible ability to drill the lowest-ranked team left in a competition. Um, but we probably shouldn't take Dinamo to be um, to be an easy win. Um, they've beaten this season Wolfsburger, Feyenoord, Seska Moscow, in the group stage, they beat Krasnodar in the last round, which doesn't sound much, but Krasnodar finished third in their Champions League group. They're on unbeaten in eight so far in Europe this season, uh, so they're no mugs. I had a look at their club coefficients as well, um, which I appreciate doesn't, doesn't count for much, but um, 
for context, Spurs are 14th in Europe, according to UEFA. Dinamo, I think, are 35th, uh, which puts them above the likes of Olympiacos, Valencia, Celtic, <laughs> uh, Frankfurt, Milan, PSV, Hoffenheim, all lower ranked. So, uh, so it's not going to be an easy game. Um, and, uh, and Spurs are going to have to uh, have a little bit about the match. Yeah, well, I have absolutely no idea what to expect. I've never watched them play. I haven't looked at any of their results. But I'm, you know, we're on a good run of form. We need to go out there and put on an attacking performance to keep this run going. I'm expecting us to make a lot of changes with the North London derby coming up. So hopefully a good rotation, good opportunity for the likes of Bergwijn to get some get some minutes and hopefully get some confidence and a few Lamella ball rolls and we should be set. <laughs> Interestingly... Zagreb have two British players uh, on their books. They've got Robbie Burton, who was an Arsenal youngster before he moved out there uh, permanently in 2020, uh, who's a midfielder. And also, and apologies if I get his, the pronunciation of his name wrong here, Dennis Giamfi, uh, who... Uh, apologies if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dan, lad. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, another midfielder, 19-year-old, who moved from Leicester uh, in 2020 as well. So... Uh, so, yeah, it should be an interesting game, that one. Uh, but let's see what happens there. And then the one that everybody really cares about on uh, Sunday is the, uh, is the North London derby. Arsenal seem to... They're a strange side, aren't they? It's going to be an interesting one, this, because Arsenal are, are safe from relegation now, and we, <laughs> we say that with a bit of a laugh, but there was a point this season where it looked like they could be in a relegation battle. They have very faint chances of making Europe, but they will feel like they can if they put a good run together. So um, this derby is probably going to be as intense as any other, isn't it, Jules? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be really a battle, um, particularly, as you say, because for them in the league, this is probably their most important remaining fixture, just because they'd love to do us over. Um, and they are, I hate to say it, they are a lot better than they were. They've really emerged with a clear system and they've got, the kind of smart players who I think we're going to have to be really careful with. Like I think Saka is a really phenomenal young talent, annoyingly. Um, Partey is coming and starting to settle in that midfield and he'll be a real, real battle. Him and Hoiberg is going to be, you know, Titanic. <laughs> we're going to have to be, be ready. Um, so it'll be interesting if Jose keeps up this more sort of the, the higher back line and pressing out a bit more. If he reverts to let's sit deep and hit them on the counter, who knows? Oh. I hope he does. I can't wait to see Jacko on the ball with Lucas Moura bearing down on him. <laughs> Just, <laughs> if he can give us a nice goal like he did to Burnley, that would that'd be that'd be good. But yeah, I think you're right. It's not going to be the same game. I think we have to go out and try and be on the front foot because they're not the same bulletless team they were when we played them last time. If we give them opportunities, they're going to put them away. Even Aubameyang is scoring again now, so anything could happen. Infuriate. Fuck him. <laughs> no, I think, we, I think we're going to do them. They've got a soft underbelly. I don't think they're as free-scoring as uh, Astros Romantic League trying to make out. But, I mean, they, they, they are fighting to hit that 40-point barrier to, to remain safe for another year. Uh, so maybe we need to be wary of that. But um, we also perhaps shouldn't joke. I mean, it was us beating them kind of led to a bit of reversal in fortunes. And then and we fell from, from the top with... Not much grace whatsoever, and they've they've been all right since. Um, so we shall see. I mean, you talk about wanting to press them high. I mean, I'd, I'd be quite happy to sit deep against them. They'd be up for it. 
be quite happy to try and hit them on the counter because they've got a soft underbelly and I think they can be exploited. Jim, as someone who's supporting a club who's now unlikely to achieve the aspirations they had in mind <laughs> uh, <laughs> about 10 weeks ago, 12 oh, weeks man. ago, um, <laughs> what would you do if you were playing your, you know, your biggest rival? Um, the rivalry between Spurs and, and Arsenal is... It's kind of in a bracket with not many other kind of rivalries, I think. Um, Stockport don't have a rivalry like that, to be blunt. So to answer the first part of your question, can the season just end today, please? Can it just be over? Um, (laughs) (laughs) If I see any more pointless possession football, I'm going to kill a man. Um, Do you like Brighton? You're going to hate watching (laughs) Arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) Arsenal, for them... Look, if they're being realistic with themselves, they're going to want to finish in the top half. There's not much more than that they can do. They're not going to finish sixth. And I think if they went and lost this game, whatever, it's a bit of a free hit for them. So if I was Arsenal, I'd be going into this game doing everything I can to win it. Uh, anyway, quick question, Ash. You um, you put the call out to a loyal listener <laughs> who came back with the question for us. Yeah, Gavin Lewis on Instagram asks... What's the worst team in Premier League history that Harry Kane would have been able to keep up? Jules, I'll go to you first. Oh, that's such an enjoyable question. (laughs) (laughs) I think Newcastle under Alan Shearer. I think that's as as bad as I would go. (laughs) Actually, what I would have gone for. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a rogue shout. Blackpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can but see it. Holloway ball. But they were never <laughs> short of goals anyway. The problem was that they shipped like 112 in a year. <laughs> but if Kane scores yeah, you 107. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, I think Charlie Adams was their top goal scorer with like eight. It's also so a reasonable shout, isn't it, to say Norwich last season? Yeah. Um, Norwich next season. <laughs> Norwich next season, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think. If you put him in, I'm, I'm thinking of the teams most likely to go down right now. I weirdly think if you put Kane into Sheffield United, I think they stay up. How about you, Ash? I think he saves just about any team. And I'd go, I would go as far as Derby because he does it all on his own up front, let's be honest. On that note, <laughs> score predictions. Dinamo Zagreb, Fed. We're going to smash them, boys. Come on. Uh, despite um, Jim and his, his coefficients... Um, I mean, Croatia is a lovely place, don't get me wrong. It's one of the few countries that split down the middle. See what I did there. Look, Wolfsburg have beat good teams on the way to playing us, and they weren't a massive threat. Obviously, Dinamo Zagreb will be a harder team to play, but normally a team like that would turn up and I'd recognise a couple of the names. I don't anymore. Uh, That's probably a little bit concerning for them. Uh, and that's why I think we should still be able to score three or four goals. I'm not saying we won't concede one, but I'll take a free one. Jules? 2-0. Nice Ash? and easy. <laughs> yeah, no idea what's going to happen. I just know that Dyer's back in, so we'll probably concede. <laughs> so I, I'm with Ben, 3-1. Oh, I was going to say 3-1 as well, so I'll say I'll say 4-1 just to be different. Big one then, uh, North London derby uh, on Sunday. Ash? Despite everything I said, it's Arsenal, so fuck them. We're going to win 4 0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fan? Yeah, I mean, despite everything I've just said, it is Arsenal. Uh, and 
probably going to be a KG1 or draw. Ooh. I will say 2-1 Spurs, which Ooh. leaves which leaves Jules. Desmond. Ooh. Cheeky 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Bold set of predictions. Uh, before we finish then, um, we uh, we do appreciate everybody that listens um, to podcast. Thanks, <laughs> yeah thanks mum yeah uh we've got a small but loyal following and we we really do appreciate it it's a, it's a bit of fun for us we don't really get anything else out of it apart from apart from fun and enjoying ourselves and uh and hopefully we we give other people a bit of a laugh along the way too with that in mind we have decided to try something a little bit different uh and try and talk about football uh, some of the big issues in football that affect spurs but also are more general issues that are a little bit away from uh, from White Hart Lane. So whether that's arguing about VAR or the finances of the game or anything like that, uh, we just thought we'll we'll have a bit of a go at tackling some of those topics. So uh, that'll be out in the next few weeks, I think, whenever we get round to doing it, basically. It's called the Third Eye Podcast. It's like a sister pod to Cock and Ball. And if you have any ideas... Uh, any questions, uh, anything like that that you'd like us to raise, do give us a shout. And if you, uh, if you think it's good, then great. And if you think it's crap, then we'll bin it off and pretend it never happened. <laughs> uh, and on that cheery note, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'll hand back over to Fen next week, who can drive this merry ship onto choppier seas or whatever. That's all. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.